Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, some of the most amazing comments we receive after sharing, you know, those underwater pics of, you know, wild habitats in Amazonia that uh, some of our friends take are from hobbyists who at first thought that some of these pics were from somebody's aquarium. In a few instances, uh, instances, some of the close-ups of botanical-themed aquariums are virtually indistinguishable from wild scenes, too. So it's, it says a lot. It's amazing. We're, we're kind of in an incredible time right now. It's an incredible dynamic, blurring the lines between nature and aquarium, at the very least from an aesthetic sense, and in many aspects from a functional sense, proves just how far today's hobbyists have come, how damn good you are at what you do, and how much more you can do when you turn to nature as an inspiration and embrace it for what it is. I'm not telling you to turn your back on the modern popular aquascaping scene, to disregard or dismiss the brilliant work being done by you know aquascapers all over the world as... Uh, you know, to develop some kind of sense of superiority or snobbery and conclude that everybody else who loves their stuff is a bunch of sheep. No, 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 no. I'm simply the guy who's passing along a gentle reminder from nature that we have this great source of inspiration that really works. I think you should rejoice in the fact that nature offers an endless variety of beauty, abundance, and challenge, and that it's all there for free for us to interpret as we like. It's not a perfect rule of thirds or flawless layouts and such and all that kind of stuff. Some of us just happen to like things a little bit more natural than others. We blur the lines. And part and parcel of this philosophy is the practice of evolving your aquarium in ways that you may not have initially envisioned. Huh? What are you talking about, Scott? Okay, this has probably happened to you many times. I know it's happened to me. Let's say that you're kind of over your Southeast Asian cryptocurrency biotope and you're ready to head out to South America to try something different. So rather than tearing up the entire tank, removing all the plants, the hardscape, the leaves, the botanicals, and the substrate, you opt to remove, say, only the plants and perhaps the driftwood, maybe some rocks or whatever. Exchange some of the water. You leave the botanicals and the substrate more or less intact and move on from there. Whoa, crazy. You're a fucking rebel, right? No, no, no. I know, I know. This isn't exactly earth-shattering. Yet in our world of the botanical-style aquarium, the idea of leaving the substrate and leaf litter you know, and botanical bed intact as you remodel isn't exactly a crazy one. And conceptually, it sort of replicates what occurs in nature, doesn't it? Most underwater habitats emerge, accumulate, populate, evolve, and ultimately change. Constantly. Yeah, think about it for just a second. We almost constantly discuss habitats like flooded forests, meadows, vernal pools, igarape, and swollen streams. And they tend to encompass terrestrial habitats or go through phases where there are terrestrial habitats for a good part of the year. Or perhaps there are different types of aquatic habitats at different times of the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And these wild habitats, you know, the, the leaves, the branches, the soils, and the other botanical materials remain sort of in place or are added to by dynamic seasonal processes like current, weather, and cyclical leaf drop from the trees that lie above. For the most part, the soil, the branches, and a fair amount of the more durable seed pods and such remain present through, you know, through both phases. The formerly terrestrial, you know, physical environment is now transformed into an earthy, twisted, incredibly rich, dynamic habitat underwater which fishes have evolved over eons to live in and utilize for food protection and 
you know, complex protected spawning areas. I cannot stress, like, really, how insanely cool it and, and important it is to recognize this dynamic and the impact on fishes. We talked about this endlessly here, I know, but each time I think about it and play with the idea, my mind goes crazy with all these ideas and inspiration. All of the botanical materials, uh, shrubs, gl- grasses, fallen leaves, branches, seed pods, and such, is suddenly submerged. Often, currents redistribute the leaves and seed pods and branches into little pockets and stands, affecting the now underwater topography of the landscape. Leaves begin to accumulate, detritus soils dissolve their chemical constituents, you know, the tannins, the humic substances, uh, into the water, and they enrich it. Fungi and microorganisms begin to feed and break down these materials, biofoams form, crustaceans multiply rapidly in this habitat, fishes are able to find new food sources, new hiding places, new areas to spawn, life just flourishes. The habitats evolve, transformed by the unstoppable constant process of nature. So... Where's this? Where's this all meet us back in the aquarium world? So when you remove much of the hardscape, the plants, etc., from your aquarium, as you evolve it to something else, some other idea, yet you leave the substrate, some of the hardscape and leaves intact, you're essentially mimicking this process in a very realistic way. In fact, in an absolutely natural way, really, when you think about it. Sure, a makeover of an aquarium can be a seriously disruptive event. On the other hand, if you take the mindset that this is a transformation of sorts and act accordingly, it becomes more of an evolutionary process. Okay, I might just be torturing the crap out of this simple idea, but I admit at this point that I'm probably not adding much more to the recipe here, uh, probably being a little redundant, a little vague. However, I think we need to think about how interesting and indeed transformative this simple practice is. And yeah, I'll concede that we probably don't have every answer on the processes which govern this stuff of leaving an aquarium sort of intact as you remodel. For example, the most common question I get when it comes to taking out all this stuff and continuing on uh, with a tank is, will it cycle again? And the answer is, it could. I know, it's very helpful. On the other hand, my personal experience is interesting. Remember, I keep a sort of diary of most of my aquarium work. I have for like uh, several decades now. It's scary to use the word several. But Uh, Just randomly scanning my diary, I noted that I have executed this practice dozens of times in all types of aquariums, like, you know, planted aquariums, hardscape-only tanks, botanical-style tanks, blackwater tanks, brackish aquariums, reef tanks. I've done this for decades. Uh, Not once, as in never, have I personally experienced any increase in ammonia and nitrite indicative of a new cycle. Now, this doesn't mean that it's a guaranteed, perfect, cycle-free process for you. I'd be a complete asshole if I asserted that. On the other hand, by leaving the bulk of the substrate material intact and continuing to provide sort of fuel for the you know, ex- extant or existing biosha by leaving in and adding to the botanicals that are already present, it makes a lot of sense. I personally think that our botanical-style aquariums with all their diverse and dynamic biology rebound really quickly because they have fuel to, to feed microbial growth, much like the natural systems they purport to represent. Now, sure, I have in place a mindset and husbandry practices that will ensure success with this idea. You know, I change water, I observe, etc., etc. Personally, I don't think that the botanical-style aquariums are ever finished. They simply continue to evolve over extended periods of time. And if managed well, this happens just like it does in the wild habitats that we attempt to replicate. The continuous change, the development, and the evolution of aquatic habitats is fascinating. It's a compelling area to study and to replicate in our aquariums. I'm convinced more than ever that the secrets that we learn by fostering and accepting, you know, nature's processes and dynamics in our aquariums are absolutely the key to everything that we do in the aquarium world. I really do. They're by no means difficult to learn if we give nature the chance. If we observe closely, don't attempt to polish out or edit every aspect of nature that we find a challenge to our aesthetic sensibilities. You just got to push yourself. 
Embrace all the dynamics that nature can bring. Push yourselves beyond the traditional comfort zones that the aquarium hobby has imposed on us for, I don't know, generations. Break free. Blur the lines. Stay observant. Stay diligent. Stay creative. Stay open-minded. Stay challenged. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.